Dr. Tony Mitchell from the Mental Health and Wellness Show. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Caroline Brookfield. She is vet by trade, but has many other talents. Caroline believes that if everyone took small, unconventional actions to embrace their creativity, we would change the world. She's a speaker, veterinarian, stand-up comedian. I'm hoping we're in some laughs today. She delights in using humor and immersive experience backed up with research and data to sway the most reluctant creative. Creativity is so much more than art. She is always up for the challenge, like learning guitar, rock climbing, getting her kids to eat vegetables, it's a good one, surfing, meditation retreats with sniper rifles, the usual stuff. A late diagnosis of ADHD explains her deep distaste for irrelevant and pointless strides. Caroline graduated from the Ontario Veterinary College, is a certified level two creative problem solving facilitator, and holds a certificate of professional management from the University of Calgary, where she lives. Her lectures go unheeded by her family, which is very classic. Most families, the dog listens sometimes. Love it. I can just hear your sassiness coming through. <laughs> Welcome to the show, my dear. Thank you, Dr. Tommy. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah. So I'm curious, what brought you to this field? Because you have a very diverse background. <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person to ask that. I guess when I was in high school, I had always wanted to be a veterinarian. I loved animals. And at that time, growing up in the 80s, it was like, what flavor of professional are you going to be? Mm-hmm. So because I loved animals, I was, you should be a vet. And I did love the biology and uh, the science and all of the other parts about being a veterinarian. When I got to high school, I loved the arts. I was drawn to performance and drama and improv and photography. And I felt like I was kind of on this knife edge of a mountain between art and science. And I felt like I had to. And so it seemed easier and more defined to choose veterinary medicine, even though it's a pretty competitive career. So I did that and I've enjoyed it. And it's been a great career for many reasons. I keep coming back to this performance and creativity and personal expression. And through a job I had public speaking, I realized I love public speaking and educating people in a way that was fun, but also helpful their life. And then I thought, what can I speak about? And I think that building a few businesses and engaging my creativity. And then I went on a deep dive. I'm sure, Tommy, you know how this goes into mm-hmm. the research around creativity and the neuroscience, the benefits. And I was, I just thought everybody needs to know about this. I love it because um, your pathway in many regards uh, mirrors mine. Growing up in a family where it's like, okay, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, teacher, accountant, engineer, vet. Like it was like professions. That that was it. Anything else you were like, it wasn't good enough. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not the reality. You can be whatever you want. And we'll talk about that. And then, you know, going through university and loving the arts, like sociology, psychology, economics, like even what's that? anthropology. Like I loved it in history and the creative design, interior design. So I was like, okay, I scored better in the arts than I did the sciences. But again, I did the right thing and did the doctor route, which I love. It has helped me tremendously and thousands of patients saved my life. My daughter's like, I am forever grateful. But at the end of the day, after a decade plus, I was like, something is missing. There's that fun side, the playful, the sassy. And to my patient in the past who have been listening, you know, it's very common to see me in the office in the past, just listen to the music in the office and dancing. Like it's laughter, it's happiness. Yes, it's time for sorrow when something is sad, but it's a joyful, creative, fun place. Love it. So Carolyn, do you find like when you're in this 
creative space? Does it, how does it, what does it do for your energy? Well, for me, when I'm in a creative space, it obviously amplifies my energy. And many of the research around creativity shows that people do creative activities because they get enjoyment out of it. And one of the things I want to also clear up first is people always think creativity is an artistic endeavor, like painting or something like that. And it doesn't have. So even somebody who's building a pivot table or cooking or, you know, choosing their outfit for the day, those are all creative things as well. And it increases my energy because I feel like I'm sharing myself with the world and I feel like I'm being really who I'm supposed to be. And I think that people get scared to do that because we have this idea that we have to look a certain way, act a certain way and be a certain way. And so it stops us from engaging our creativity. And uh, Tommy, I don't think you're alone. I think so many people, especially in that mid-career to late career where you feel like you're pretty much competent, you know, you've had your head down learning the skills that you need to learn. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, but there's something missing. And it's like you're climbing a ladder to the rooftop patio, expecting to see pina coladas and deck chairs. And it's basically an exhaust fan, <laughs> like a tipped over chair at the top. So uh, yeah, definitely creativity. And for me personally, but as well as the research shows that increases your happiness, increases positive effect, helps you feel happier about the world and have a better outlook. Love it. You're right. Creativity does not have to be just painting or what many people think. It could be writing. And I see that where we both enjoy writing. So tell me about your writing. Oh, yeah. So I kind of like to write, but it's never really been something I've put a lot of focus on. And as a speaker during COVID, I've always kind of resisted this idea of writing a book to be a speaker, like an expensive calling card. You know, I don't like what people say you should do because that's the right thing to do. I wanted to do write a book so I had something to say. So during COVID, I thought, you know, I do have something to say. And I built a framework around five habits you can do a few minutes a day to engage your creativity. Anybody can do it. Everybody is creative. It's a biological fact. And so I've been writing a book and actually today is an editing day. So after this call, I'll be going and sitting down and editing it as well. And yeah, writing is definitely a creative outlet for me, but it's tough. Like it's hard to like any creative endeavor. You Anytime you do anything creative, you're stepping into uncertainty and, and possible failure. And it never gets easier. For, I don't think for anybody. Love it. Do you mind? I know your book is not officially out. Do you mind sharing some of these habits? Yeah, absolutely. Spoiler alert. Okay. No, no spoiler alert. So it's part of one of my main talks that I, my signature talk. So it's called DAN. So the acronym is DAN and it stands for daydreaming, ambiguity, novelty, curiosity, and editing later. So those mm. are the five habits. What do you think? Do you do any of those, do you think, on a daily basis? Oh, for sure. I um, dream my future life into existence. Some things are not always clear. I like to learn something new every day. I am very curious. I ask the why to the why to the why, how to the how to the how, and definitely editing because um, sometimes you have to change things. And like you, I'm writing too. So there's definitely lots of editing. That just means that it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. There's no such thing. It means just tweaking. Well, yeah, and the, the editing later, I mean, I can't really, it's hard to find an acronym. Luckily, there's online tools to help you put things in to give you word for things. Oh, but, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The editing later is uh, about the editing what later. So, you know, when you're writing, I'm sure that you kind of just have this flow and like word come mm-hmm. out. What can happen sometimes people start editing their ideas as they're creating them. And that's not very helpful because you're trying to, you know, there's a Dr. George Land. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he did a lot of work on creativity and he calls it the gas and the break. So your divergent thinking is gas where you can go anywhere, explore any possibility, like the sky could be purple kind of ideas. And then there's convergent thinking, which is the exact right word I want to use for this poem or this for this sentence. And we tend to do both together. So the gas, the divergent and the break, which stops us from hitting girl guides in the crosswalk, which is helpful. We need convergent thinking, but we don't want to do them both at the same time. So one of the biggest traps I find people when they're trying to do something creative 
creative is doing both of those types of thinking at the same time. Yeah, very good analogy. Very good point. So, you know, I actually use it actually, which is actually cool because when I'm writing, I just put the dictate function on my computer or my phone and just talk, like just let it rip because the editing can come later. You just want to get them off your mind. Otherwise you lose your train of thoughts. And then it's those aha moments. I find the creative genius comes out. You know, when you're least expecting, you're like, I just thought of something that you pull over, record it. You're like, oh, beautiful. Love it. Right? Active yes. moments. And you are like miming a car. Is that when you get your aha moments? Yes. Often when I'm driving my kids to daycare, dropping them off. Yes. Like then I, fortunately there's lots of streets. So just kind of move over and I just whip up my phone, pull. I stop. All right. I turn off my engine. Okay. And while you're listening. <laughs> and then I record it. Because that is when I get those moments, it's amazing. And it also comes out quicker. It's like spit out an article, the bone, the framework, right? So that creative side, just yeah, tap into it. You're also not alone in that because most people will have creative insights when they're doing a task that doesn't take a lot of cognitive demand, like driving or having a shower or yes. walking or, you know, cutting the grass because we're actually fooling our executive function or like frontal cortex part. That's like the filtering, analytical judging part. We're tricking it. We're giving it something to do. And so that allows our divergent thinking to be a bit more active. So you are definitely not alone in finding those inspirations when you're driving. That's a very common response. Awesome. That's reassuring. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I guess this show is the mental health and wellness show. So I want to tie creativity with mental wellness. So how does everyday creativity help with mental wellness? Yeah, there's been a lot of research in this area, which is fascinating. And one of the studies that I like is uh, by Connor. So backing up for a second, there's many research studies that link uh, happiness and well-being to creativity. But sometimes it's hard to figure out like chicken and the egg. Is it creativity making a happiness or vice versa? So they know that there's been many studies saying that there's a high correlation between creativity and, and happiness or positive effect. But this study found that when you did something creative on a day, the next day, your positive effect increased. So it actually was a causal effect, the creativity to increase happiness. And the funny thing is that now you're happier, you're more likely to create, which makes you happier. So it becomes this uh, sweet infinity loop, like a sweet infinity donut loop where it continuing to feed on each other. I love it. So creativity begets creativity, which brings more happiness, good endorphins, feeling good, optimism for your brain, loving, better mental health. Yeah. And we're talking everyday creativity again, like yeah. making a meal. This isn't mm -hmm. like someone painting. And I know given your background, Dr. Mitchell, there's many with nursing patients as well, or nursing students and nurses where engaging in everyday creativity has helped them bounce back from difficult times and built resilience. So there's a lot of research there to show that there's a direct link between using our everyday creativity and uh, well-being. Love it. Love it. I agree. I just a thought just came to mind. I remember when I was when I was younger, my dad would tell me, you know, I would make a good lawyer just because of the way I think things out. But then in my heart, I'm like, but well, how come I can't win an argument against you? But anyway. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, creative, opinionated. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, there's so many different kinds of creativity, right? It's so individual for every person. Definitely. Now, some people might say they're not creative. What do you have to say to them? Oh, they're wrong. Exactly. 
Yeah. So creativity is like breathing. It's a wired biological human back. Everybody has a capacity to be creative. I think what holds people back is they have a different definition. So they think creativity, like you had said, it has to be painting or art of some kind, but we all create something every single day. In fact, I was just reading a paper that was saying that we spend about 22% of our day doing something creative. And I think of it like breathing. So hopefully anybody's listening, figure that one out, right? (laughs) Listening to the podcast, but you could take a yoga class or a meditation class and you could learn box breathing for anxiety or pranayama, or you could learn practices to help you make your breathing more effective. And so creativity is the same way, which is why I've developed that five habits, the dance, because it's not something you need to learn. You already have it. And given that it's the top skill by all of the you know people who talk about the future of work, it's a good thing that we have it. We just need to learn how to amplify it and reserve the judgment that holds us back from expressing it. Definitely. Creativity is so important. And I know you and many other listeners can relate. It's the times when you are most creative in different areas. You like could be organizing a closet or books or whatever it is. It's often the time that you are happier. Like that's, at least in my life, I have never been this happy in my adult life. And I attribute it because I'm finally being the authentic me. I'm outside the box of MD, you know? And that's what I really love. Was it hard? So I think about when I opened a jewelry business and I didn't want to talk to my back colleagues about it because I thought they would think it was weird. And, Mm -hmm. you know, did you ever have that tell me about when you were changing, when you were pursuing your wellness and business? Like, tell me about that because I'm curious because I think that exemplifies what holds most people back from being creative. Yeah, you know what? I'm so used to that because when I was in residency, I was selling Mary Kay. So they would laugh at me with a red lipstick lady. But I'm like, you know what? This is paying for my licensing exams. Hello. Even my family was like, really? But I learned sales and marketing. I learned this inventory. Like I learned a lot of skills that help me now. So with this whole transition, yeah, there are people who kind of look at you like, what's that? Are you sure? Like very skeptical. Some of them even voice it, but I'm past the point of caring because I see the results. I see the joy is brought in at the very least my life, the happiness and the vitality and the health. I don't really care. Yeah. Some people have actually what really, when I started my Botox business, like you have had lots of businesses, that's when people really got upset because I was not doing as much family practice. But now that I'm doing the mental health, they're a lot more understanding. It's kind of funny. So I don't know. My businesses, have, I don't know. So how do you get, so it seems like you're pretty confident and from the beginning, you've always kind of done your own thing and not worried so much about what other people think. But I feel like so many other people who would wish to do Mary Kay or wish to do a Botox or wish to do something different than what they're doing, especially in a very non-creative rear. Like, what do you think is the best way to get past that? This is what I'm fascinated. Yeah. So the best way of getting past it is to step back, dissociate from the situation because if you're stuck in your thoughts and feelings, you're going to be like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm not enough. You're going to freeze, stop, not do anything. So step back, look at the situation. What do you want to do? What is the outcome you want? Why do you want it? Okay. What are the steps to get there and start going? You don't have to share with the world what you're doing. When I started doing what I'm doing, I did not share with the world, right? I just got online and I started a course and then that course became another course and a mastery course and then another course and an NLP course and this course and that course. And I loved it. I was happy. So at that point, I did not care. I was also the girl that was bullied in school, the outsider in school, right? Even in university and even as an 
adult. Like I was not the popular kid. So at this point, I don't really care about your feelings because I don't really care what you think, right? Because you didn't care then. So I'm enjoying my life. I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm having these opportunities. I'm looking at my bigger goals. I'm focusing on it. And if the people around you are going to like discourage you significantly, that might be a sign to listeners to find new people. So I found a new tribe, right? I found people that are like me, like my guests. I bring them on. I choose them for a reason because we think very similar and we can have these conversations, which I thoroughly enjoy and people need to. So that's how I do it. It's you have to kind of build a thick skin and look at what's bigger picture. Why do you want to do this? What is this going to do for you? And focus on that and try to be like a horse with the blinders and ignore the haters and distraction. Do you? A lot of people are trapped in their professions. They Their whole life is defined by their MD or OD or whatever Ds. It's so many Ds, farm D. Like, like I just don't get it. You are a human being first with value. So that's- and then I find that I find that people often like that. I, I totally agree with you. The same in my um, career and my profession. And I find those people, it's almost like that crab in the bucket analogy. It, it's so threatening to them to see someone step out because it reflects upon them. You know, maybe they don't, maybe they do want to do something else, but they think they shouldn't. And so it threatens them to see someone else stepping into their power or whatever cheesy, you know what I mean? <laughs> 100%. No, that's very, very true, especially in highly competitive fields because you typically, that's the, it's like a double-edged sword. The competitiveness, the drive helps you get in, but it also can be a hindrance to your Yeah, and I found that too. Like it took me a while to realize, kind of like you, I was never the popular kid. And I found that I was such a hard worker, which is what got me through vet school and do the things I've done. But I feel like sometimes I'm like a horse, like you're talking about with blinders, like I'm a horse plowing a field and I got my head down, the blinders on, I plowing the field and I spend like a year making this field perfect. And I look up and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm in the wrong field. (laughs) (laughs) So that's taken me a long time to kind of figure that. uh, Let's take some time and make sure we're doing the right field. Or at least, you know, start a field, but then like keep checking to make sure you're in the right field. Yes. You have to reevaluate it, check climate, like certain businesses perhaps were really good before, but not so hot right now. You really have to. Yeah. Unless it's just a hobby, then it doesn't matter if you... Um, matter as much. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So to the listeners who's like, okay, oh my goodness, you're so right. I am bored out of my tree. Oh, where do I start? So what would you tell them? Well, I would say don't feel bad because in a recent, I believe it was the Ipsos study where they found half, like 50% of people did not use their creativity and most of them want, would have, but they just didn't know what to do. And so I think number one is to get over this idea that it has to be perfect. So you had alluded to that of like doing something and then doing another course and doing another course. It's really just art. And if you want to just engage your creative thought process, then you can do the dance acronym and just spend a few minutes daydreaming. Um, One of the things that I love to talk about is the sense of ambiguity. And there's a dimension called tolerance of ambiguity. Tell me that you probably know. And that one is the ability to step into uncertainty and see even though there might be a risk of failure and you don't know how it's going to turn out. And so that is essentially creativity. And if you can do anything creative, you are stepping into ambiguity or stepping into uncertainty. And that will help you step into uncertainty in other parts of your life. Like when you don't know what the boss is going to say, or you don't know what the person going to say on the other end of the phone. It's a practice of stepping into it. Like I think about I'm at the top of a ski run and I'm looking down and I'm feeling uncertain because I, it's maybe harder than I thought. Yeah, I don't know if you're a skier. Are you a skier? You when skier? I was younger. Okay. But yeah. you know that feeling when you push off mm-hmm. and there's a point of no return, like you push yeah. off and then you're like, down you go. I feel that same feeling. It's a physical feeling I feel 
feel when I step into creativity or do something I don't know, you know, the answer. So I think the first step back to your question is really just to start and just do something. And like you said, you don't have to share it with the world because that's what holds us back. Just do something. There are so many online tutorials on how to draw or how to, you know, sew something or macrame or interior design or even just find a new way to organize, like you said, your cupboard or create a shortcut to work. Those are all ways of using your creativity. And if you bring in intentionality to those things that you do and you realize like, oh yeah, I did feel really good when I organized my closet and everything was in the right place, then you want to do more of that. So that's that's what I think anyway. Yes. So basically you're saying, okay, be creative. And at the end, have that pause and like examine your feelings. How did you feel? Right? Because it's so easy to just go like, whoosh, onto the next. No, what did I do for you? What did you learn? Enjoy it. Breathe it in. Compliment yourself. Affirm yourself. Yes. And keep on going. Because I feel like, so I do a lot of hiking and I do, I was um, backcountry camping this weekend. And I have a, I don't know if this sounds familiar to you when you're doing a challenge or something. I have this familiar process. So my friend will say, okay, we made a reservation for this 15 kilometer hike every day for three days or whatever. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I want to go jump in enthusiastically. Immediately I regret it. And I think, well, I've got all this stuff I need to do. I don't know. It's going to be hard and I never sleep very well. So I have this resistance. And then I think, no, remember all the other times you go, you love it. And if, you know, it is hard, but you love it. And then the night before I always think, am I getting a sore throat or ah, I've got to, maybe I should go. And then I go and I have a great time. And so I feel like I said to my friend on our last trip, I said, I wish I could bottle this feeling when I'm out here, but not completely bottle it because you don't want to replace it. But just give yourself like a, a sniff of like, oh yeah, that's how good it feels. Because then the next time I want to bail, I think, no, no, I know that once I get out there, I will love it. I know that once my closet's organized or once I paint that picture, I might not be the perfect picture, but I will feel happy that I, you know, worked on my skills. So that's kind of what I... Yeah, you know, some people call those um, the bottling process, as you put it, anchoring. You can create anchors in your environment. NLP really talks about having those objects that really keep us grounded, whether it's a scent, maybe the scent, you may have a candle that smells like nature or just, or I don't know, a piece of clothing or something that reminds you of the good time. Oh, even a photo. Yeah. So keep things around you that remind you of where you want to be and the good time. I so love yeah, that. Maybe yeah. you can try, maybe pick up some like little, I don't know, like something along the trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a national park, I guess. I wouldn't admit that because I'd get in trouble, but yeah, no, yeah. I, it is. And it's hard because you can't like bottle that scent and that feeling. Like how do you, you're right. I think like a picture or uh, maybe the boots or something like that, because it's hard. Like mm-hmm. hard things are hard, yeah. but that's what makes them so worthwhile. Yeah. And creativity is no different. Yes. I love how you said that hard things are hard because so many people think everything should be easy. They say if it's not easy, then it's not meant to be. And I think that's a cop out. Like yeah. they use that for relationships. They use that for work. And I'm like, no. No, I agree with you. I, I say comfort is complacency. And I think we're mm-hmm. driven to seek comfort. And I talk about a lot of our outdated survival instincts, right? So um, one of those is wanting fit in because if we were excluded from the tribe back way back when, we'd die. Yes. But we still have that instinct, but it's not kept pace with how things are in the world today. And I think that goes for comfort. Like ever, like if you look at the, you know, that clock of time for human evolution, when have we ever had enough food and been living inside where we're not going to be eaten by animals or die of exposure? So 
I think we're driven to seek that comfort because it never existed. And now we haven't kept pace with this need for continuous improvement to fulfill, you know, our desire to be here, I guess. Yes, that's such a good point. We need to adapt to society and the environment we live in. So listeners, as a challenge for you, I need you to do something creative for yourself or at least start thinking, like, what do you really love? Like before you got busy in career, motherhood, whatever you're doing, what like excited you and start incorporating that into your everyday life. And remember the mnemonic dance for daydream, ambiguity, novelty, curiosity, and editing. Now, um, if anyone wanted to reach you and talk more about this topic, Caroline, how would they reach you? Well, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. I also have a website, which is carolinebrookfield.com. I got my URL for my name, so I was happy about that. Um, So those would probably be the two easiest places to find me. And for the launch of my book, I'm doing an interview series and as well as a dare every week. So if you don't know where to start with your creativity, uh, every week I, so for starting in August, so August was daydream. So this is September. So we're in ambiguity month. And so each month will be a different letter. And then every week I send out a dare on a video and it's uh, recorded my YouTube channel. Um, if you need to find it, just send me a message or find somehow on my website. And so then that will give you something to do every week that will help challenge your creativity. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Brookfield. It has been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, again, listeners, she's a jewel. So definitely reach out to her. I'll have her information in the show notes below. And I guess everyone, this is a wrap. This is the end of our episode today. So uh, this is Dr. Mitchell here from the Mental Health and Wellness Show. Till next time. Bye. Bye.